Are you happy? Magic Seeds takes a good look at everyday challenges and gives solid advice on how to navigate through them, be it relationships, career, parenting, or just not feeling happy inside. I'm Dr. Adam Grise. And I'm Laura Grise. Please join us weekly to discuss everyday situations that seem to be getting in the way of feeling happy and peaceful. We'll provide magic seeds and a reliable roadmap for you to follow to stay on a healthy path for your life. Welcome back to Magic Seeds. Today, Laura Karch. What are we doing? Today, we are... What? I can call you Laura Grise, I think. (laughs) You can. Why? What did you call me? (laughs) Laura Karch. I still call you Karch as like a nickname. It is my name. But it's not your official name. It's not my official name, but it's been my name my whole life, so it's okay. How about I just call you Karchi? Yes. Karchi. That's what everybody calls me. Karchi, what do you got? Okay. Today, we're still finding our self-love. So we're doing a series and we're just bringing in different guests and different stories about how people find their self-love or their journeys to loving themselves. And so continuing on our bravery to explore and dive into our own truth and self of love, we think it's imperative to take a look at the foundations of our childhood. So today we are going to be talking more about emotional abuse. And I don't know if I should be using the word anguish or abuse because abuse is a pretty harsh word. But I think in terms of talking about a child, I think it's okay to use abuse because we really want to label it and it can demolish people's lives. And going into adulthood, there are a lot of different things that can affect a person's life as an adult. Their emotional thinking, their memory, it can show up as low self-esteem, it can show up as depression, and just different obstacles throughout life. Yeah, I mean, it it seeps into even your relationships, you know, your defense mechanisms and your ability to be open and explore and to go for your goals. Right. Um, So, you know, a couple of shows ago, I was talking about how my brother's friend told me that I was the F up of the family. And... I can't remember if I was in my early 20s or maybe just in my late teens, but that stuck with me until just recently. And everything I did, you know, I lost my fun in life. I lost my humor. And because I just thought that if, you know, I did what I really, what was really true to me, then I would be viewed as an F up or lazy or whatever it is. But it was only recently that I labeled it and I accepted it. And I thought, no, that's what my magic piece is to myself. And I looked at it as a positive thing, not a negative thing. So today we have a guest. Yes. Today we have a close friend of ours. He generally doesn't want to be described as anything. And the truth of the matter is, Nick, I see here today, he is just a good human being. If there's one way I could sum him up, it's just that. And There's no real even fanfare needed for it. And honestly, it's one of the greatest things you can be called. It's true. Someone who comes from a place of love and tries to walk the walk of being a good person. And to even the point of what this all is about, it's even if you're doing that, it doesn't mean that you're wide open. You have access to the depths of your heart because we get abused or we get hurt. We go through trauma. And even when we're doing, like you said a second ago, that you didn't laugh, Mm -hmm. but you did obviously, Mm -hmm. right? The real point is that you couldn't laugh from the depth of who you really were. It couldn't be a soulful laugh. 
And from the same point, you know, we have Nick on today and he went through emotional abuse from his childhood and he's still one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. And he makes sure to walk the walk. What interests me about people like Nick is when they do that, it's obviously you figured out how to, well, let's get him on because I want to talk to him about this. Okay. That sounds great. Nick, are you here? Because I know you're here. You're right in front of me. (laughs) I am here. Okay. Here's the question I have for you. And I've spoken to you about this a little bit, maybe in the past, that you've obviously made sure consciously to go through the crap of your life. Nick, no, I don't want that. I don't want this. That's not right. That's not being a good person. And you formulate what it is or you emulate the idea of being a good person. And I don't get any sense that any of it for you is like forced. It's really in there. You know, you can't fake genuine kindness. But the question is, when you establish that and you've been living your life that way and and you have a good life, and then all of a sudden you take stock and you're like, wait a second, I have some baggage. I got some stuff that's preventing me from maybe loving as deeply or laughing as deeply. And then you have to go back towards that. How do you unwind? Because you've built something so strong and so good. How do you allow yourself to go into the depths of pain and trauma and let all the crap out that you beautifully covered. That's difficult. Let's first let Nick tell us, you know, about his childhood. What's <laughs> your story? Wait, you guys don't know Nick's story? That was a very simple question you just asked me. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> so I'm going to start off with saying that my story starts from, I guess, childhood, because that's why you brought me on here. But fairly recently, my father passed away. So I'm already getting choked up, but I'll try to get through it so that there's usable recording here. Nah, the it's more okay. choked up, the better, um, man. You kidding me? Um, cry, goddammit. Oh, I will. I've already pulled the tissue out. <laughs> so I think outwardly, my childhood was pretty idyllic, right? I came from a household of two loving parents. I have an older brother. You know, it was just the, what's the artist that would paint the Pollock? Pork? Portraits of American life. Oh, um, Rockwell. Rockwell. Thank you. You know, a lot of times we did family vacations. We went camping a lot. We spent the time. I remember shucking corn and snapping peas with my mom on the front porch of our house, spending time walking through the woods with my dad and having deep conversations. And so from an external perspective, our life seemed pretty good. But I guess the story that sort of really built who I am and sort of gave me the guidance on how I need to act, or at least I thought I needed to act in life, was that my father, he was an alcoholic. And my best guess is he used alcohol to cover the traumas that he had as a child. But alcohol can only do so much to cover those traumas. And so oftentimes it would come out his anger towards what happened to him or whatever the anger was, and it would come out towards my brother and I. Usually it was remarks saying that we were worthless or that we were no good or whatever the phrasing was. My interpretation was that I was a waste of space, right? And he would oftentimes follow up after the incident with and I love you, but that very quickly became shallow or hollow coming from him because there wasn't the discussion of what happened, it was, I'm sorry, 
you know, I love you. And so, you know, as a young child, I sort of took that to heart and tried to make sure that I tiptoed around the things that I knew would set him off and then had back pocket things to try to settle down any growing anger that I saw. So if I saw that he was getting angry at me or my brother for not raking the yard right, I would try to engage him in a conversation about music because that's one of the the bonding points that we had to try to bring down that escalation. And so, you know, at a young age, I learned how to try to read other people's needs and wants to avoid sort of anger in general, because that's what came out. And that's even to this day, that's one of the emotions that I struggle with in myself and in the presence of other people. Like what? Can you give an example? I have been, I mean, even watching the two of you when I've spent time at your house where you two are not arguing angrily, but spending just having a conversation. If it comes across as what I see as anger or even an argument, my defense mechanism now is mommy and daddy are fighting. You do, you do say you that. You say that. I, you get nervous. I do. <laughs> I, I even, and to be perfectly transparent, even right now talking about anger, my armpits are sweating excessively. <laughs> It's not because Laura has the heat in here at 81. No, okay. No, the rest of me is sweating excessively because of that. But yeah, so it's been interesting for the last year or so. I've been trying to be more aware of myself, my feelings, and anger is one of them. So I've started to recognize those physical reactions to the presence of anger, either myself or in other people. Can I ask you something? You may. Thank you. You're welcome. You had mentioned that the follow-up with your dad, he would put you down and then follow up with, I love you. So did you begin to, I know you had said that the I love you's were empty, but as a child, did you start to, I can only imagine that as a child, you started to associate love with that negativity. So then as an adult, when you're looking for love, you kind of help me out, Grizy, like you attract that kind of negative feedback because everybody's looking for love, right? So then just naturally, instinctively, you find love by, for example, someone putting you down or someone talking to you a certain way. So I don't think that I consciously seek that out. It definitely is a comfortable space that I have lived in because that's what I grew up with. And it's also tough my mother passed away when I was 19, so I didn't continue to have the counterbalance of her to his angry love. I don't know a better way to put it. So I think there's the internalized feeling of I'm not good enough or I'm not deserving of unfettered love, right? No strings to it. If I mess up, that's okay. And so with that feeling I don't know if it's self-sabotage or what I seek out, but I do know that I have a pattern of approaching success and then doing something on my end to have some issue with it. So I do get there's a complaint or there's an upsetness. And, you know, other than my father, I don't think I've had anybody really say the things that he said to me and then follow it up with an I love you. So friends and family, they might be upset. 
but in the moment there's also a sense of love and so i think it definitely it's weird in those discussions to get the that negative energy that i unfortunately am seeking out and then also get the thing that i think everybody wants is love and it's unfettered love and so i forgot your question <laughs> so did i well i mean <laughs> adam bring us back on track i think the there, there's two kind of sides to this one is moving forward right you get shaped early on and one of it is i'm not worthy of being loved and the other is i'm traumatized by the emotion of anger and so you spend your life pushing away running from potential anger and chasing love but never able to dive into it because there's something in you that says you're not worthy of it and it keeps you trapped in this kind of prism where you're just banging off one side of it or the other and that brings us kind of to like what we're talking about is how do you undo that pattern you know it's like even becoming aware of it is amazing right and that's you know so what's so great about therapy you know people go to therapy and it's like oh I'm afraid to succeed. Oh, I can't accept love or whatever it is. So, okay, now that you understand and you identify that, what have you done to this point? How do you move past that in a way you're like, well, I don't want to be limited by this. I want to be able to move through situations where there's anger. It's okay that anger exists. And I definitely deserve love because I know you know you deserve love, right? But subconsciously, you're like, no, maybe even consciously you don't know. <laughs> I think to, to answer your question, the first step, the big realization that I had was that by avoiding, by pushing down the anger, I was pushing down everything else that was associated with those times of anger, right? And so if I had a lovely experience with my kids and then I got angry during it, well, I pushed down that anger, but as, along with that anger, I was pushing down the joy that I had with it. And so realizing that all the emotions are tied together and by me suppressing one i'm suppressing all of them i think part of that has allowed me to realize that in my earliest memory of those kinds of arguments with abuse from my father it was as early as six that i can recall and i'm sure it was before then but so from the age of six till 43 i've been avoiding anger and then likewise avoiding love and so now it is saying the anger is okay. How I show that is where I need to have the control, not mm -hmm. having the anger, but how I show it. And then by accepting the anger, I'm also able to accept love. And I think that's right now in this moment, you asked me in 10 minutes, it might be a different answer. <laughs> but in this moment, I think that loving myself and accepting anger are on equal grounds of a challenge for me. Yeah. And so I don't do meditations on a regular basis, but I do try to catch myself in negative thought, not deserving of love, or it's to be expected that I'm screwing up and trying to just now be aware of those thoughts. And then my hope is as I become more aware of it, as I start to call those thoughts out, I'll then more rapidly be able to say, that's not true. I am deserving of love. I am okay for messing up. Everybody messes up and that's fine. How I react, how I respond to that mess up is really going to show who I am. And so I think 
also with anger, it's okay to feel that anger. Is it okay to show it? Or do you have an outlet for that anger since you've identified it? No, because I'm still struggling on even fully being aware of it. You know, the inclination to just push that anger down is so strong that I'm still focused on just being aware of, oh my gosh, I'm angry. Okay. But it's going to come out sideways someday, right? Some, I mean, that anger is going to come out at some point. And but Nick has mastered. <laughs> he has mastered. <laughs> has mastered the tamp. Mm-hmm. But no matter no, how it's gonna, big of a master you are. You're either going to explode or implode. Right. And Nick's more of an imploder. Yes. You know, sure. he'll make sure he doesn't explode. Right. But he's slowly rotting away from the inside. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But that's, like, the then that's what happens. That. <laughs> it goes one or two ways. You know what I mean? That's what our job is as parent to ourselves is to, and it's like parent to a child. It's, oh my God, what's that spot on your back? Oh, I, you know, like our job is to be aware of these things. Once we become aware of it for ourselves, we take action, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh my God, I don't know what this is, but let's go to the proper, you know, doctor for this and get it checked out. And I don't know what's going to happen. Sorry, baby, but we're going to get it checked out and we'll do everything we can. By the same token, you're in this discovery phase and you're just like, I want to see where all these spots on my body are, right? Where are these trauma centers in myself and where is this anger hiding and lurking? And once you get there, awesome, right? Because if you don't know it's there, what are you going to do about it? It has to come out sideways or just right. fester. And then it comes, you know, even the way you talk about it, Nick, where you're saying, I want to be able to transition from, oh, there's the anger to going full circle to, that's not me. I love myself, right? And that's like skipping six rungs on the ladder type of thing. And to Laura's point is sometimes before you can get to that other side, you have to release the actual charge, which sucks because it sounds and feels like I'm not worthy, but letting out the I'm not worthy is important. And sometimes to get rid of it, you can't just snap your fingers. Now, sometimes when you've maybe been doing it a while or sometimes maybe someone has a heart attack and instantaneously they're able to shift their entire psychic being in that sense. And it's like, oh my God, I'm not treating myself like this anymore. And it's just so big that it can push you right through it. And it's just a shift. But a lot of the times we have to be prepared to go through the releasing process. We've spoken about this, right? Right. Of like, let yourself be angry. You know, we talk about the release rooms that are going on and these places where you can just, it's okay. It's not just acceptable, but it's actually at this point healthy to find a way to release it. Like you're saying, it's okay to have anger. And now I need a way to, you know, my dad, Laura, hates when I use. I do. <laughs> but this is just so perfect because <laughs> it's, it's garbage. It's toxic waste. If you have crap in your intestines. Here we go. There we go. <laughs> it's like your dad crapped on you, right? right? To be blunt. And then you're like, oh my God, crap is terrible. I don't want to ever do that ever, ever, ever. And then all of a sudden you're clenching your whole life instead of being like, oh, The crap wasn't the bad part. You have to do that. We all get built up, pent up. My dad just didn't know how to expose of it properly. And he projected it and displaced it. Okay, I'm going to start getting it out a different way. And even though it's going to scare me because just releasing that goes against every instinct you have now at this point, but just making sure you now have a plan of action, a place to go, a way to do it, that you can little by little become comfortable with this process. And then you start realizing, oh my God, not only is it okay to do this, this is fertilizer. 
that's the full circle. And then you plant the seeds of, wait a second, I am worthy. And it's not for any reason. It's not to make dad happy. It's not to prove it to someone. It's, I have the choice. It's up to me if I give myself value and I could not give myself value and that becomes my truth. I can give myself value and that becomes my truth. Either way, if Laura doesn't value me, I don't care. You know what I mean? It's not part of my valuation. And oh, taking ownership of that, getting self-empowered is the end game here, right? It's a really, really good point. But let's talk about two things. Once that's released about a person being afraid of how they're viewed, right? And then once it's released and a person's truth comes out, will they be loved? Will the new person, will the true person be loved? That's the fear. And that's my whole point. And, but you're bringing up a good point that there's a step in between, Mm -hmm. but that's the point where you have to claim it for yourself, where your whole life it's been externally fixated, Mm -hmm. right? Because you didn't get it from your dad. You didn't get it from your mom. You didn't get it from your peers, whatever it was. And that's where the mind just naturally instinctively looks for it. And then all of a sudden you do this work and you, you spot it. You're like, oh, this is my trauma and you release it. And then you're in no man's land. And then you're like, I'm going to give it to myself. But your mind's like, but is everyone else going to follow suit here? Because if we don't follow suit, what's the point? And that is the point. Can you claim yourself unconditionally, regardless, right? The even ifs, even if no one else loves me, even if I'm not smart enough, intelligent enough, funny enough, good looking enough, any enough, even if no one wants me in this world. Am I willing and am I going to claim myself unconditionally? That's where it starts. And then when you say that to your point, I think is you're in no man's land still. Right. It's not like your true self has started expressing itself. You just said, I'm going to accept you no matter what, buddy. I'm going to value you no matter what comes forth. It's protected. I'm going to make you safe. But you don't know who that is. You don't know how it's going to come out. And you don't know how it's going to be received, even though you're willing to claim yourself, you still don't know how it's going to be received. And that's going to be something you have to play off of. So that's a lot, a lot. That takes years. But the funny thing is, don't we teach our children this all the time is to be their true self. I'm sitting here and there's such hypocrisy on a parent (laughs) to a child and then a parent's relationship to themselves because we're constantly beating in our children's heads. Beating is a terrible choice of words today. (laughs) And I'm sorry, but we're constantly telling our children, oh, you have to love yourself and I have to do anything. Love yourself and accept yourself for who you are. And if other people don't love you, then they're not your friends, blah, blah, blah. And yet we can't do it to ourselves. Oh, we skip over for them. It's so easy to just say it. Like Nick's like, I'm going to get to the point where I accept myself. And we say the same thing. I mean, you know, and you've admitted that when the girls are upset, when they're crying or something, you don't have patience for that. I can't stand it. It triggers you. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like for Nick, mommy and daddy, you're fighting. For you, it's like, ah, oh, I don't like you. And so you'll Send be faster. You'll be faster to shut it down rather than guide them through those steps I was just talking about. And yes. unfortunately, those steps aren't a lot of fun. They're not the exciting part, the part that feels good. And as parents, it's so easy for us to say, no, 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 you just got to love yourself. But can we allow them to be miserable for a little while? Uh, no, because I don't want my kid flailing. I don't want them spiraling. Well, well that's because part when of they're it. miserable, I'm miserable. <laughs> <laughs> that's the mind. Our mind, our brain, if you will, it's always looking for immediate gratification. I don't want to be anxious. I don't want to be depressed. 
And so it's always looking for the solution. Let's create the next spring that we can be excited about. We can feel safer. We can feel happier because the mind will never sign off on just being angry. No, why would I be angry? This is exactly what we're wired not to want to do. But that's what you got to do. My wife, she's always worried that she is the source of motivation for her mother. She's like, that's not my job. I'm the child. And so in talking with her through this process, and we've had many a discussion about the work that I need to have, and we've talked about the work that she needs to have and all of these things. One of the things that's sort of crept into my mind is my initial motivation for being more aware and better able to handle and process through all of those things was, man, I want to be better for my kids, right? Because as soon as the kids are born, that became my focus was I want to be the best I can for the kids. And then I would say it's been in the last four months where thinking of the conversations that my wife has had about her mother and the focuses that I have no longer do I want to be the best I can be for my children. It's crept into my head of, I want to be the best I can for myself. And the result of that is my kids will be able to see somebody who is true to themselves. And that's what I want them to be. Not because they want to please me, not because of any factor. I want to be truest to myself so that they have that showing. If I turn out to be somebody who goes down to bike week in Florida and grows a long ponytail. That would be awesome. (laughs) You know, I have lots of friends who are motorcycle riders and I think they're lovely people. I do too. It is probably not my jam. The last time I was on a motorcycle, I was holding on as tight as I could and I just wanted to get off. But if that's who I become to be my truest self, even if that's not an interest of my children, They're going to see that person who is fulfilling who they are. And I think that's going to do more to make them good people, which is ultimately my goal with them is I want them to grow up to be the best versions of themselves. Mm -hmm. So why not be an example of it? And And I'm going to fail. And like with any failure, if I'm getting up and trying again, that's mm -hmm. if you do that, you're controlling the one thing you can control, because the truth of the matter is we have no idea how our kids are going to end up. Right. right. You could go grow the ponytail and go down there and it goes sideways for them because they get made fun of at school. Maybe for having the dad with the ponytail who drives a motorcycle, who ditched his family or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it can go that way or it can be, wow, dad, you inspired me. And either way, you have to live your truth because literally there's no way to know which way it's going to go. This is the age old question. Right. If we're going to get divorced should we do this for the kids? I mean, is it better to do it for the kids? Is it worse to do it for the kids? Are we role modeling a negative relationship that's going to be in their life? Or if we split up, are we going to just splinter them for life? Like we don't know know which way they're going to go with it. That's their job ultimately that they're going to have to learn how to cope with that. And that's life. And hopefully along the way, you're teaching lessons along the way that shows why you're doing what you're doing. And to your point, Nick, when you're doing something conscientiously, You can teach that. You're modeling it. And that's the best. After that, no one can control how people are going to respond and if it's going to be used as a buoy in their life or something or a weight. Right. We just saw that movie and I never get this movie name right. Is it the Feldmans? The Fablemans. Fablemans. The Fablemans. And I think about that mom because 
at the risk of completely burning her family down to the ground, she went with her heart and she was worried, I think in the beginning, if I remember correctly, it was so late and I was falling asleep, but she was so worried about how it would take down her family. But ultimately, I think when they were a little older, right, is when she decided to live out her heart and go with the family friend. And it didn't end up crumbling the family. The kids were fine. You know, they ended up going on with their lives. But, you know, same thing, because she had made a statement about, oh, your father is a good man and I'm going to stay with him. Then she wouldn't have been living out her truth. And kids energetically are on a completely different level than we are. They feel it. They know it. They know our truth. And uh, I don't know what I'm really trying to say here, but I think if, you're if saying you that about your truth. I think you're saying there might be an open spot for the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, what do you mean? Laura's going to be in Florida riding a motorcycle, motor, with, a motorcycle long with a long ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's even part of it where you realize, like, just kind of bringing this full circle when a lot of us, we're in our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, before we realize we're not living authentically to ourselves, we're living to a reaction to a traumatic experience maybe, or a dynamic. And once we become aware of that, oh shoot, I mean, this is like the pilot episode here for us Mm -hmm. where, oh my God, once I'm aware that I'm not living my truth, am I okay with letting my life crumble on the surface to let it be built back up from a place of true alignment with my soul? And it's really scary because there's a lot of things you've built in the life around you, mm-hmm. whether it's a marriage or kids or a profession or a community. There's just a lot of attachments and identifications that, yeah, you're going to affect the world around you when you deconstruct yourself in order to be your full self again. It's no easy task and it's not just a slam dunk. Right. And just bringing it back, when you find your truth, you can finally love yourself. When you find your truth and you accept your truth, then you can finally love yourself. And then you can allow the world to respond to your truth and Mm -hmm. see who, what loves you, loves that expression. What kind of world and life manifests out of that. So Nick, I have a question for you that I ask everybody. Sure. Do you love yourself? So I love myself more than I have before. I don't know if I would outright say that I love myself at this point, but It is something that you asked me a year ago. The answer would have been no. So I feel like that's progress. You would have said no. I probably would have said no as a matter of fact. Yeah. So it's not a no. It's not a hard yes. Well, here's the thing, though. When, say, you're 100 units of self and you wake up one day and you're like, holy smokes, I do not love anything there. And then the next day, you're like, you know what? I want to start loving myself. And you flip over one unit. You're like, I'm going to start loving myself. It can't get to the 99 other units, but I'm going to get there. Then you're loving yourself. It's just that you're being hijacked by old thoughts that are still holding that space of judgment, expectation, non-love. But once you start the process and you can feel some love, you're planting the seeds. And it just takes a little time before the old root system dies and the new love starts extending to a higher percentage of that 100%. And so you're doing it. Don't get too caught up in taking stock of like, oh, oh, I only love myself 25% and there's 75% because it's a practice that you come in and you want to see where are those 75, where is it hiding? Again, taking stock. Oh, I'm angry here, here, here. I don't love myself in this situation, this situation. Okay, cool. Now you start the process of flipping over those units and you just 
practicing loving yourself. So then all of a sudden, your life is about loving yourself. Who cares at what percent you're at at this point? Like once you're practicing it, you're going towards the light, so to speak. So you had mentioned that when you say something self-sabotaging about yourself, you catch yourself. But what other things are you doing? Or, you know, at least just tell the listeners, what sorts of things are you doing on your journey to find self-love or flipping, are you saying cards, units? I was thinking uh, of- to flipping over units or cards, or uh, I'm imagining you ever see, cards. You ever see anyone? No one ever knows this game. I should stop using Othello. it as a- Domino's Yes, Othello. What? You're welcome. Yes. Othello. Othello. It's a fantastic game. Yeah. I I've never heard of it. It's this cool game where it's, there's- you have these little discs that one side's black, one side's white, and your job is to get all the discs turned over in your color. And you can end up with like, if I was black and Nick was white and he had all these whites, you just have to put down the discs in a way to start flipping over the other one's discs. And that's just how I was looking at it. I don't understand. But okay, so units or discs. So just pieces of yourself, right? Like pieces of yourself that are living in darkness, pieces of yourself that aren't loved. You start loving. It takes a while before, if you plant a seed, you look at the ground, you're like, this is still a dirt patch. Right. And then even when something comes up, you're like, what is this? This doesn't give fruit, but it's on the way. It's in process and it requires continuous love and nurturing and nourishment. Once you're doing that, you're building the garden. It's just a matter of time before it becomes what you want it to be. So what sorts of things are you doing? I think right now... I have been trying to sort of take walks in nature. And then as I'm walking, trying to help that awareness of myself, as I'm walking through the woods, I also am trying to be aware of the nature that's around me, right? And so if I can build that up to be an unconscious action as I'm walking through life, that I'm being aware of what's around me, I'm hoping to internalize that and be aware of what's happening when I'm sitting at a recording table, what's happening while I'm walking through the woods, but inside myself. And so that's probably been the most recent action that I've taken to just try to continue that awareness so that it's not, all right, I need to be thinking. I need to be thinking. I need to be thinking. It's just happening. So staying present? Staying present. Okay. That's a much easier way to say it. No, No, but I mean, it's It's like a walking meditation. It's a walking meditation. Uh And then all of a sudden, you know, someone like yourself who's, you know, utilizing therapy, now you continue to have things to bring to the sessions. And little by little, you have actionables now, all because you're taking the time to be present and allowing thoughts, feelings to come to the surface. And then realizing, huh. I can change it at this level. I can change my engagement. There's work to be done here. It's not written in stone, but you just have to let it come to the surface. So, I mean, that's a good magic seed because depending on where someone's at in their cycles, it changes what seed you want to be planting. You know, is it time to make a strategy? Is it time? Are you missing fun? And just go out and have fun. But, you know, you're kind of being really good at saying, huh, I just need to become aware of the fruit that's on my tree. And if it's rotten, it's rotten. I can't be afraid of it. I need to display everything that's on my branches so I can determine what to do with it. Do I throw it in the mulch heap? Do I save the pit? Is there something good here? Or do I throw it at my neighbor? (laughs) Seriously, you have to figure out. Sometimes maybe you realize, ooh, there was something valuable right now out of this experience and I could eat this in this form. Wow, that was something nutrient rich that I was missing. 
And whether you're going to eat the fruit off your tree, whether you're going to let go of it so it turns to fertilizer, the bottom line is if you want to move forward in life and you want to evolve and you want to grow with your self-love, you have to continuously let go of all the branches. You have to clear the tree to make room for new growth. And, you know, Nick, you've done a great job of starting that. We call it the harvest where you're taking stock of what's on the tree. And yeah, sometimes it's a bad harvest. Like, oh, this is a lot of anger on this tree. Okay, what do you do? I don't want to eat it. I'm not going to hold it on the branches. Got to release it. This will turn to fertilizer. I'm going to use this to transform my life. So that's the magic seed is for you. And we always talk about this. The first step that we usually talk is lay it all out on the table, bring it all up to the surface. Then we have something to work with. And it doesn't mean it's all going to change right away, but now you're in the game. Now you're back in the cycle of your life to start moving forward and growing and evolving. Beautiful. Well Beautiful. said. Nice. Nick, mm-hmm. thank you so much for sharing your story, thank man. You. Um, yeah. For being bold enough and vulnerable enough to get emotional with us and to share that. And bold enough and brave enough to go through the journey. Yeah. It's not an easy journey. To no, it's not. It's not, but it's for the best. It's for the best. And right. it shakes foundations. Yeah. It does. It sure does. I can speak to that. You can speak to that. And you ride it out in hopes that you feel you're doing the right thing to ultimately move forward in life. So nice job. Thanks. All right. Well, until next week, nothing but love.